Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. And uh, if you do have a question about something, feel free to email me, fundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com. And I appreciate the messages and uh, um, questions that come there and appreciate you appreciating it. It's been a labor of love to be able to try to help uh, with doctrine and thoughts. Um, I don't try to be controversial, but I do want to be able to help fix some of the thoughts and things that are out there. And today will be one of those. Today is sound doctrine number two, sound doctrine number two. And there'll probably be a series of these through the years because that's what we want is sound doctrine. We talked last time about sound doctrine and what it is. This ship is sound. There are no holes in it. Doctrine that is sound has no holes in it. You can't shoot any holes in the doctrine because it's sound. Any, well, what about this or what about that is answered biblically and logically. And that's what we want to have. And so many doctrines that people believe and so many doctrines that even fundamental Baptists believe that they're not sound. And we believe them, we preach them, we talk about it, but no one has seemingly taken the time to think through that and go, you know, that's not right. That's got holes in it. And so that's why I want to do, and I'm not, again, trying to be controversial, but would like to make sure that we are sound in doctrine. Independent Baptists have so many things that are good. Uh, the eternal security, the King James Bible is the word of God, salvation by grace through faith. So many things that we do have that are good, but we need to make sure that our doctrine is sound and that we're not just going off of something that... Somebody says, and it sounds good, but we don't think through it logically. So um, this one I heard this week um, by a fairly big-name preacher, preached on big conferences, and um, got a bunch of amens, and I just shook my head going, wow, do people really think through that? And so here's what was said. He was talking about people in sin and people in fornication, and, and, uh, and he said, uh, I believe that Jesus died to pay for their sins also. He said, but... 
When you get saved, you stop that. And if you're still fornicating after you got saved, then you did not get saved. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. Amen. It sounds good. And you might be saying, yeah, okay, what's wrong with that? Um, but when you look at that verse, how it was understood and how it was, quote, interpreted, then there are some big holes in that. Let me back up. Back before I was, quote, messed with, back before preachers tried to put on me what they believe that verse to mean, reading that verse to me was beautiful and wonderful. Hey, if we're in Christ, we're a new creature. Wow, we're born again. A new creature. We're born again. Old things are passed away. What is that? Every sin, every wickedness, everything in the past that I have ever done is passed away. It's gone. It's forgiven. And behold, Wow, all things are become new, fresh slate, no sin on my record. Wow, my old sins are passed away, all things are become new, fresh slate, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I'm a child of God, I'm one of his children, I'm on my way to heaven, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. That's what I thought it believed. By the way, I still think that's what it believed and what it says. Um, that's what I thought it was saying. Then I heard, if you're still doing this or still doing that, then you didn't get saved because old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. Amen. I've been in a service where somebody preached and said, bless God, if you're still smoking cigarettes, you didn't get what I got. Amen. Amen. What he's saying was, if you're still smoking cigarettes after you got saved, you didn't get saved. You didn't get saved. Um, interesting, the guy that preached that, somebody who grew up with him in his home church said, Brother Sonsa, he's been saved too long. He forgot. He smoked for three years after he got saved. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So here the guy's preaching, bless God, if you're still smoking, you didn't get what I got. You didn't get saved. Yes, somebody who knew him back when he got saved remembered he smoked for three years until he got rid of that. And so is that verse teaching that when you get saved, you're not going to sin anymore? The things that you used to do, you don't do them anymore. Is that what that means? Are there any holes in that? Okay. Um, in this podcast, uh, in this series, I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to help you to think. I want you to be able to look at doctrine and pray for wisdom and have the Holy Spirit of God bring all things to your remembrance, okay, and to guide you into all truth. And when you go, wait, well, what about, what about, what about? So here's the verse again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's saved. He's a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The way they teach that is all the things that you used to do in the past, you don't do those anymore. And behold, all things are become new. You're a new life. You're not ever going to do those things again. Now, is that right? Do you believe that? By the way, have you lived that from the time that you got saved? Did you bless God? I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit cussing. I can't, can't quit running around with women. Good. Let me ask you, did you quit your pride? Huh? Did you quit your pride? That's a sin. That's a big one. Did you quit your gossip? Did you, did you quit your envy? Uh, did you quit your covetousness? 
Um, did you quit your gluttony? Um, did you quit all those? Huh? Did you quit lust in your heart? Did you quit that? Uh, um, um, yeah, wait, behold, all things are become new. If that verse means what they're saying it means, and that means you stopped everything, you can't just pick and choose. <laughs> we have these big three outward things that, yep, bless God, I quit those. See, uh, I really got it. Behold, all things are become new. That's not what it says. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If that verse is like they're wanting to use it, then all the old things of the past you don't do anymore. It's all new. You don't do any of that stuff you used to do. Is that it? Hey, did you cuss any after you got saved? Did you drink any after you got saved? Did you smoke any after you got saved? Nope, I quit all those. Good. Then how about that pride? How about that covetousness? Man, I truly don't have that 67 Chevy. Ooh, man, I truly don't have that... Uh, um, that uh, Ford truck, boy, check that thing out. Any envy, any covetousness, any pride, any gossip, any caught your eyes and lust looking at something that you shouldn't look at? Well, we're all human. Yes, we are. And we still have the old nature of the battle of the spirit and the flesh. We'll talk about that. But when people use that verse to say, when you're saved, you don't do any of the old things you used to do anymore, then what they're doing is, is that sinless perfection? If you're in Christ, do you not sin anymore? Well, no, I don't believe in sinless perfection. Then what does that verse mean? What are you trying to say it means? If you say, when I got saved or when somebody gets saved, all the things they were doing bad, they don't do them anymore because if they're still doing them, then they didn't get saved. Then what else are you teaching besides sinless perfection? There are holes in that, okay? There are holes in that. By the way, this is the church at Corinth. Uh, these people that got saved in the church in court, did they have any issues? Did they have any sin? Did they have any problems? Absolutely. Uh, of course they did. They had all kinds of sin that Paul was trying to fix and help them with it. Absolutely they did. Um, and so if they were still doing any of the old things after they got saved, they didn't get saved, then why even bother? None of them got saved. How about the man that had his father's wife? Remember? There's fornication, not so much named among the Gentiles that a man would have his father's wife. Was that guy saved? According to Paul, he was. And he told the uh, people they should have wept that one would be taken away from them, that he was going to be chastised and he could even be um, physically lose his life. There's nothing even hinted in there that he wasn't saved. Here's a man that was saved that was in fornication. Wait, no, no, no. If you're saved, you're in Christ, and you don't do those things you used to do anymore. He did. And there's nothing in the Bible that said he wasn't saved. You mean a saved person can commit fornication? Um, yes, and you know it. And people have. It's amazing. This same preacher talked about pastors that were unfaithful and that fell. So were they not saved? Well, well, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And how long does that new last for? If a person ever fell, then were they not saved? Really, is that the doctrine you're going to go on? That verse cannot mean what they say it to mean. It very simply means this. When you got saved, every sin you've ever committed is wiped away and you have a brand new fresh slate. What about that new sin? Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. It cannot mean what they're saying, that you're not going to sin anymore. Hebrews 12.1, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and let us lay aside the sin 
which doth so easily beset us. It's called a besetting sin. Guess what? Christians have it. You have something, I have something that we struggle with because we are still in this flesh. And in this flesh, we'll look at it, dwelleth no good thing. We're still going to battle between the spirit and the flesh. And here's um, the writer of Hebrews telling, look, lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin which just so easily beset us. There are some things that are so easy for people to get into. It may be negative. It may be critical. It may be hate. It may be bitterness. It may be hard to, un uh, hard to forgive people. It may be laziness or lack of soul winning. Um, it may be those sins of omission, those things we don't do. It's amazing. The Bible said, if you say, well, I don't really, really struggle with sin. Really? 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. No, we all still sin. We're in the flesh. We're in the flesh. Of course we do. Um, and so here it is. Praise God. When you got saved, you quit drinking, smoking, and cussing and running around with women. I'm glad. Okay, that's great. Uh, but that does not mean you don't have sin. The Bible said, uh, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. How many things do we do not of faith? God said it's sin. Uh, God said, whoso knoweth to do good and doeth that not to him, it is sin. How many good things do we know we should do that we don't? That is, hello, sin. Wait, behold, all things are become new. Uh, you don't sin anymore. You don't do that. You always do the things you're supposed to do. Really? Really? Um, no. <laughs> the thought of foolishness is sin. How many foolish thoughts do we have every day? Huh? It's amazing. <laughs> if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. First John 1 John 1.8. No, we still do have sin. And old things are passed away. Absolutely. All our sin junk in the past is forgiven. And behold, all things are become new. I got a fresh slate forward for God. Praise God. It does not mean I'm not going to have a battle with sin or with the flesh or that I cannot do something that I used to do. I haven't had a drop of alcohol in 34 years, <clears throat> and I used to get drunk every night. That was the way of life. I haven't done any drugs in 34 years, and we used to get high every day. Um, haven't touched a woman besides my wife. Uh, haven't said a curse word in 34 years, and I was in the military, 82nd Airborne Division, and we had a phrase, the old phrase, uh, cusses like a sailor. We were, quote, blank sure there was no sailor going to do anything better than us, and that included cussing. And... Uh, when I surrendered to God, all that went away. See, 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 no, I was already saved. I trusted Christ when I was a, when I was a boy as my Savior, knew I was saved. God spanked me, chastised me all the way through. But I made a decision, those things were gone. So am I without sin? <laughs> Absolutely not. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Absolutely, there's still things in the flesh that we have to struggle with, which is what exactly Paul said. So what does that mean? Second Corinthians chapter five, we're going to read through those verses and hopefully right, di rightly divide the word of truth and, um, and show what sound doctrine is. Verse 14 of second Corinthians five, the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead and that he died for all that they, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him, which died for them and rose again. Hey, the love of Christ constrains us. We should live for Christ now. Wherefore, henceforth, we uh, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, listen carefully, not imputing their trespasses unto them. What happened? All things are passed away. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And though God, excuse me, and though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The context of that scripture is so beautiful. By the way, I want to read two verses. They're not back to back, but I want to see the parallelism in this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Boy, talk about parallel. Here, all things are passed away. How come? Because Jesus became sin for us. Behold, all things are become new. How come that we might be made the righteousness of God in him? It's exactly the context of what that's talking about. Exactly my understanding before it got messed with by preachers that tried to make this a sinless perfection or turning from all your sins verse um, that they did. It's a beautiful thing to say that Jesus took our sins, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He did not put sin on our record. All things are passed away. All of our sins we've committed in our whole life are wiped away. And behold, all things are become new, a fresh late. Well, what about if you sin then? Well, good. I'm glad you asked about that. Um, and the Bible says in Romans chapter four, uh, verse number five, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God, listen, imputeth righteousness without works. Here it is, righteous. We have this fresh, new, brand new slate, righteous without work, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Here we go. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. When someone's saved, God said if they didn't do any works at all, but believed on Jesus, they're saved. They're on the way to heaven. And God gave righteousness without works, okay? Iniquities are forgiven. Sins are covered. And God said he won't even input sins on our record anymore. Why? Because Jesus died for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. We are brand new. There's nothing written on our record. How come? Because Jesus died for our sins. God said he wouldn't even write sins on our record. Behold, all things are become new. How are all things become new? Because Jesus paid for all of our sin, past, present, and future. He knows what we're going to do wrong, and he paid for that 2,000 plus years ago on the cross, or actually before the foundation of the world. He paid for all of our sin. And that's why all things are become new. Nothing could ever be written on our record again. Now, when we sin down here on this earth, um, there's a sowing and reaping. That's a law that you can't get out of. There's a chastisement where God spanks his children. There's a loss of reward for things that we do, but there's not a loss of salvation, okay? David committed adultery and murder and didn't lose his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. And he can lose rewards, but you can't lose that salvation. It is a gift forever. So it's amazing the parallel of that passage. If you have a question about a verse, read the context of that verse and it puts light on it. It's saying nothing at all about we won't sin anymore. 
In fact, it's saying not imputing their righteousness unto them. It's saying those people have trespasses and they're not going to impute their trespasses unto them. How come? Because Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin, and he gave us what? His righteousness. What an amazing thing. That's the context of that scripture. So for you to pull that out and say, well, bless God, that means when you when you get saved, you don't sin anymore, or you don't do those things you used to do anymore, is to totally take that out of context. It's not sound doctrine. And what about the people, all of us who sin? And again, make sure you understand what sin is. That sin of omission, the things you know you're supposed to do and don't do, the person you're supposed to witness to or help that you don't, that's sin. That thought of foolishness, nobody else sees it, God does, that's sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Makes you understand that. Uh, one more passage. The uh, best Christian that I uh, think we could agree on is the Apostle Paul. Amazing what he went through for the Lord. Amazing his sincerity and dedication and total giving himself to God, and that he gloried in his infirmities. Okay, it's one thing to endure, but he endured of glory and counted himself worthy to suffer for Christ, gloried in his infirmities. This great Christian that we know, the Apostle Paul, who penned more in the New Testament than anybody else, who was a holy man um, that God spake to and told him what to write down for Scripture. This man, yeah, let me tell you about him. Romans 7, 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If, I, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Here's Paul saying he does evil. Here's Paul saying that the things he doesn't want to do, he does. Verse 20, now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And who's going to deliver him? Of course, Jesus Christ. And he can deliver us from that. But that's what the apostle Paul in Romans was struggling with. Paul said, not he was chief of sinners, I am chief of sinners. And so he is still battling with the spirit and the flesh. But again, it's not him that do it, it's who? It's sin that dwelleth in him. Which is exactly 1 John 3, and won't go into a lot of that, but, oh, whoso is born of God doth not sin, exactly. When you are saved, your spirit does not sin. The flesh still does. Okay, but the spirit does not. And that's what that's talking about. Uh, exactly that. Paul said, I see another uh, law in my members warring. Okay, you have the battle of the spirit and the battle of the flesh. Which one wins? As you know, the one you feed the most. You feed the flesh, it's going to win. You're going to sin and mess up your life. You feed the spirit and starve the flesh. The spirit gets strong and is able to uh, help you have a spiritual life that's going to be serving the Lord and being faithful to him. Please understand sound doctrine. It's amazing. By the way, I was in chapel in Bible college and a guy in his Greek New Testament got up and preached, whoso is born of God doth not sin. That when you get saved, you will not continually habitually do the same thing wrong. If you did, you didn't get saved. 
that was in chapel when I was in Bible college, okay? Um, and what a mess that was. Oh, everyone's nervous and what he taught and preachers had to come back and, and teach and preach and understand what he taught was heresy. When we are saved, our spirit is born again and we, our spirit does not sin. Does the flesh? Yes, and our flesh well is no good thing, okay? Um, and so, but to understand that, that our born again spirit does not sin, but our flesh that we still have to battle with until we get a glorified body does, okay? And so that's what we talk about sound doctrine. Doctrine that's sound, doctrine that doesn't have any holes in it. And people pull out one verse and preach it without logically looking to see if it has holes in it. And it's amazing the things that they do instead of looking at that verse and going, okay, if what you're saying is true, then when someone gets saved, they don't do any of the things that they used to do. It's amazing. We'll all say, yep, they won't fornicate. Amen. Amen. Well, okay. Why do we pull that out? What about, do they, they're not going to lie anymore. They're not going to have a lustful thought anymore. Those are sin also. Um, they're not going to read their Bible. That sin is sin also. If we know to do good and do it not to him, it is sin. It's amazing how we'll pick a few big outward sins that preacher can say, bless God, I didn't do that when I got saved. Aren't you glad Paul, this is a whole other topic, but aren't you glad Paul didn't give us his testimony of salvation and make us acquire to that? So many preachers, when they preach, they want people to have their salvation testimony. Bless God, when I got saved, boom, 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 and expect everyone else to do that. Paul never did. Paul never said, when did you see the light? When did you get knocked off your horse? When were you blind for a few days? Bless God, if that didn't happen to you, you didn't get what I got. Paul never did that. He understood salvation was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he didn't make people have his salvation experience or what happened to him after he got saved. Salvation is knowing we're sinners and we deserve hell and understanding Jesus died, buried, and rose again to pay that hell and accepting Jesus as our Savior, the one to save us. And when we're saved, all of our sins are wiped away and everything has become new and I've got a fresh slate for God. And when I sin... I go to God to confess it, not to be saved, that's still done, but to be cleansed from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. But that sin spiritually is not put on my record because God said he wouldn't input sin on my record because I've been given a gift of eternal life and there's no works that I can do to be saved or to keep me saved. All right, sound doctrine, okay? Think through it. Look at a verse. Think through, God, is there any holes in this, the way they're saying it? And that verse, the way I've heard dozens of preachers preach it, there's so many holes in that. When you look exactly at just what the verse is, it's beautiful. When you got saved, all of your sin got wiped away and you have a fresh slate for God. Exciting. Is that the context? Keep reading exactly um, that uh, Jesus became sin for us and he gave us his righteousness. Exactly the context of what that scripture is talking about. Make sure it's sound doctrine. Make sure there's no holes in it. Because what happens is it gets very confusing for the person out there. Here they are, preach, bless God, if you're still doing this, you didn't get what I got, you're not saved. Imagine what that does for somebody who's saved, who's growing or struggling in the flesh with some besetting sin. Oh no, are they not saved? What that can do to hurt them and to mess them up is gigantic. This goes into another doctrine, but... I'll close with this. Years ago, a friend of mine, I grew up with in church in Sunday school when I was a kid. We got saved about the same time, and I moved away. They moved away. Years later, I came back to this town and was pastor preaching at a church, and uh, my friend came to visit. 
and I preached a sermon. And afterwards, they talked about how they struggled with sin and they keep falling, and they struggle with sin and they keep falling. And and um, they went to their pastor, and their pastor said, "Well, if you keep struggling, you keep falling, then I guess you're not saved, and you're probably not one of the you ready chosen." Yeah, Calvinism. Uh, yeah, if you keep struggling with sin, then yeah, you just you just must not be one of the chosen. What a sad, messed up, confusing junk of garbage uh, doctrine that is. That's not sound. It's called a besetting sin, and you still struggle with that. And you haven't been able to grow or be discipled or be helped or strengthened in the Word of God. Um, well, we've seen God take hundreds of people that have struggled with sin. i got a guy working with, he's been in jail, not exaggerating, over a hundred times. Over a hundred times. And he was saved for a lot of years, but he hung around the wrong people and yielded to sin and yielded to the flesh, and God spanked him and spanked him and spanked him all the time. Oh, he's been clean, no alcohol, no drugs, no women, no any of that for almost two years now. And uh, boy, doing a great job in life. What happened? He got the scripture and got some good ground underneath him so he could build uh, on top of that and set his life on the rock instead of on the sand. And now he can build and have a great life. Doesn't mean he wasn't saved. It meant he was still in the flesh and struggling with things of the flesh. Um, please understand sound doctrine. If you have a question or something, feel free to let me know. Uh, Fundamental Baptist, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com. God bless you and have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.